You have plenty of them. I'll pay you the difference. Well, I've only got uh, – this is my – so what I got now? Oh, yeah, this is – so this, now this is two unopened 20s, and I got an open 20. I was all excited about my first Pappy find ever, and then you shit on it. <laughs> From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean, instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000 Bringing to you the best stories from icons in the bourbon industry, it's Bourbon Pursuit. Now here are your hosts, Ryan and Kenny. And we're back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and as always, I've got my co-host Ryan. Ryan, how are we doing this evening? Uh, I'm feeling angry uh, because today Pappy hit spring release here in Louisville, and I went to a liquor store, got a 12, and then you follow up and got a 20 right after me. Yeah. So I, I'm feeling frustrated. You know, it's it's funny because we, we put that on our, on our Twitter feed and we had one reply back that just said, you know, every year they always say, uh, no, there's not going to be a spring release. And like clockwork, it always comes around. Yeah, that was my first Pappy find. So I was really pumped up and like, yes, I did it. And then you tweet, text me back later. 
haha, thanks Ryan for the lead. I got a 20 and I'm like, <laughs> oh man. But, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we talked about in our, our first episode of the podcast of how we had these hunting parties about how we have all these groups kind of come together to try to share information about, you know, where everybody should go. And, and Ryan gives us all a tip of where to go. And he's like, but they only have 10s and 12s. And I go in there because they know my face a little bit and they're like, yeah, sure. What do you want? <laughs> I guess I got to shop there a little bit more or something. It's all about the relationships, right? That's right. That's right. But no, I'm excited about today's talk uh, here with Martha and learned a little bit about her uh, relationship with uh, Mr. Stagg, one of my favorites, uh, you know, in the bourbon industry. So really excited to talk to her. Yeah, you were even saying that you're, uh, what are you drinking on right now? I poured a Stag Junior uh, just for you know this show. Uh, I, I don't have a stat regular Stag. Uh, maybe Martha can help me out and become <laughs> my friend, and we can uh, share our resources. There you go. So with that, let's go ahead and introduce our guests. So today we have on Martha Carlin. So Martha isn't a uh, master distiller or a, a tour guide at a distillery, and I want to let her go ahead and introduce herself. So Marla, well, Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, well, uh, you're right. I'm not a master distiller. I do uh, ferment a few things like uh, vegetables and that sort of st- and have made some beer, but I, I've never tried to make whiskey. Well, <laughs> I don't think you should. I, last thing I read, I think it's illegal to try to do that. So, Well, yeah, we, we did look up how to do it, though. And, and um, so I am uh, George T. Stagg's great, great granddaughter. And um, in 2002, when they bottled the first uh, stag, uh, they gave my mother a commemorative copper still. I don't know if it actually works. It's at my house, but I keep thinking maybe I should go get it and we could try to figure out how to how to use it and and try to see if it still works and then try to get some white dog out of there. (laughs) He says it's just decorative, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, yeah, nice. you can't, yeah, you got to put it to try to see if it'll work, right? I mean, I, th- I think you just can't let these things sit on the shelves and look pretty. Yes, that's right. Well, it should be, you know, that that shouldn't sit on the shelf. And I, I actually think the stag shouldn't sit on the sh- shelf. Somebody should, who re- truly appreciates it, should drink it. But um yeah, so so one of the reasons that we contacted Martha to have her on the show today is because uh, there was actually a, an article that came out on thebourbonbabe.com, and it was an article that talked about there's a right now there's an auction going on and it's for a gaggle of stag. So Martha, give us some some information about what this auction's all about. So um, the auction is an annual fundraiser for my son's uh, Jesuit high school to fund scholarships. About 35% of the uh, boys who go to his school are on scholarship. And um, I have been collecting the stag um, really since it came out in 2002, although at that time, we drank most of it every time we would get it <laughs> because I, we didn't really realize how uh, rare precious the, it was precious. It was uh, going to be, I'll tell you a terrible story. One time I put some in the eggnog. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can always, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Yeah. In those early years, um, you know, we didn't, and it wasn't that popular either. So my brother actually, I think it was the 2004 bottling. 
He was in, uh, well, he still is. He has his own consulting business, and he bought a bunch of cases to give as gifts at Christmas time to all of his clients. So um, anyway, between the two of us, uh, we managed to have um, not quite a full collection, but um, we have assembled 11 bottles, so 2004 to 2014 um, a bottle from each year. I think I, I don't have it with me, but the, um, 2005, which is the year where they had three different, they had like a series A and a series B and then a fall. Um, we don't have the one that everybody is really, really trying to find. I can't, I think that's a series B. Be, you um, know what? You you got the name. I think everybody's trying to look for it anyway. I don't think it really matters what year you have. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, we have 2004 through 2014, so 11 bottles um, that have been donated, and it's an online auction. Um, the Regis Jesuit Lark um, High School 2015 auction, and you have to go to their webs. It's not the most friend- user-friendly website, but you go to the website and – get a username and ID, and then if you go to the libations section, it's the number one item in the libations. And uh, the bidding opened on April 9th, and it runs through April 19th. So uh, we still have a few more days. If you have some money left over from paying your taxes tomorrow, you should get out there and bid, and then you can deduct it for next year. See that's perfect. Awesome. I think I think we all probably could have used that advice before we uh, got yeah, the before I filed mine today. Exactly. I'm like kicking myself today now. Wish I knew about this sooner. Yeah, it looks like so there's a there's a minimum bid. It starts at three thousand. So what's it what's it up to about right now? It's at uh, three thousand seven hundred and fifty. The last time I checked, I may try to see if I can check while we're on here. But well, it's all good. I think that's. Uh, I think that's going to give our readers a, or our listeners a, a very good uh, understanding of how valuable this 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 can be or what it should be. So I guess let's also kind of talk about uh, you know your past and your history, right? So you are the great grand great great granddaughter of, of George T. Stack, and I guess you know did you have a lot of I guess uh, you know. Uh, kind of a bourbon kind of family growing up. Was there a lot of things that were very centric around it or was it uh, maybe just in the past few years where you recently discovered that it was uh, bigger than you thought it was? Uh, Well, you know, we just grew up in Frankfurt. The distillery was just, you know, it was just kind of part of our history, but um, the family sold the, the uh, distillery during prohibition, but it is the only, uh, I think the only or the longest continuously operating distillery. It did continue to, to, uh, operate throughout prohibition because you could get uh, whiskey with a doctor's prescription. And I think there were about 4 million of those written, but, um, and that was, know, that, and that was still the stag distillery during prohibition, correct? Um, it was the stag distillery, during prohibition and then i'm not sure when it changed over to uh blanton i think was next mm-hmm. um and then and what's th- the current day buffalo trace the current day buffalo trace and there was a period of time in there where the japanese owned it for a while 
So a lot of the, um, actually the Blantons uh, with the horses on the top of it, mm-hmm. they do a, a, a special bottling of that where most of that actually goes to Japan and has a Japanese, la- a certain label for Japan. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of the harder ones to come by. It's called Blanton Straight from the Barrel. So it's actually a, a barrel-proof Blantons that you can't get here in the States. Yes. But, um, you know, growing up in Frankfurt, we all, it seems like almost every morning, of course, that was a long time ago, I could smell the sour mash when I was out waiting at the bus stop. And when I was a kid, I thought it smelled terrible. And now every time <laughs> I think it smells great. It smells like home. I have the same feeling. I'm from Bardstown, and growing up, I was like, what is that awful smell all the time? And now I'm just like, embrace it. I'm like, oh, I'm back home. I can smell this awesome mash. Well, see, I, I live in, in Louisville, closer to Butchertown, and it, <laughs> it smells Butcher, like shit. Yeah, and Butchertown <laughs> always smells like Butchertown. You never want to be around it. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We would also go down to, my dad would go down to the distillery and get the old, um, barrel staves or the from the uh lids of the barrels and um we use that to as kindling for our fire so you can really light a fire fast with that and it's <laughs> good too <laughs> nice so i guess that's one of the i guess the perks of kind of growing up around frankfurt is that you had access to access to all that sort of stuff but you know with your family around frankfurt i mean we're uh, I guess, did a lot of people like kind of grow up in the bourbon industry around there? Do you still have family into it? So, um, George T. Stagg's son, Frank Stagg Sr., um, he actually went back to work for the distillery um, a few years after it was sold. And he um, was the treasurer and something else all the way through until he died in the 1940s. Um, so he stayed um, working there through that time. His son, who was my, my grandfather, Frank Stagg Sr., I think uh, worked as a night watchman um, when he was younger because I still have his uh, the distillery night watchman's badge. And then, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's a good topic to kind of bring. You sent us this PowerPoint uh, for any of our <laughs> listeners. You sent us this PowerPoint before we came on and had all these uh, vivid images and descriptions of, 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 of your family and, and the stags. And I guess that was one of the things that, that you showed us was that, that badge, was, was the Night Watchman's badge. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's um, number nine. <laughs> I don't know how many watchmen there were, but mm-hmm. I imagine they had to keep a, a, a pretty tight watch over things. Um, but as I was researching, uh, to put this, the presentation I sent you together, I did that at the, uh, legends of the industry dinner at, at Buffalo trace in January. I came across a interesting story. Um, my mother has a lot of historical papers and my great, great grandfather on, I mean, still down that stag branch, but a different, Part of or down my mother's side of the family, um, it had the records of a fire that happened in Frankfurt in a bonded warehouse, and they lost um, something like close to four thousand barrels of whiskey. And my grandfather lost uh, about three hundred of those. And we, I think, we figured out 
that in today's dollars, that would have been something like half a million dollars back then. Oh yeah, my I gosh. Mean, it's, uh, it's, it's to think yeah. back to think back then what it would cost, and now with inflation and especially the the economy the way it is, yeah, it could definitely uh, definitely net that match. And then um, on my father's side, so he obviously wasn't a stag because my mother it's my mother's side of the family, but uh, we found out just by chance the local public TV was showing some old pictures. And, um, one of the pictures was of my father's mother. And he remembered when he was a little boy, my grandfather was off at the war and his mother, the whole bottling plant was all women. And his mom worked in the bottling plant and they had a photograph of her, um, bottling the whiskey. So, um, you know, I had that. So we had people on both sides of the family. And then, um, my cousin works there now, um, in the gift shop. So, um, she's, uh, my mother's sister. So one of the other stag girls, but there were no, the last generation was three women. So there's no male stag left. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess, uh, is there maybe going to be a, another tradition going on? Do you have, I guess you already said you have a son. Do you think he might fall in the footsteps of his, of his great, great grandfather or anything like that? Well, you never know. He's the one who I, I got him fermenting the beer, and he made some pretty good beer, and he was only 16. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on here. We, we, don't, we don't have to cut it out, but we won't now. I, I think that's too good. That's a gem right there. Uh, so we we were – he was actually at his Jesuit high school. They they There was like the history of the world and six beverages or something. I can't remember what it was, but it's, you know, it was the different fermented beverages and how they had changed the world. And, um, so I, I proposed an idea that we would try to make each one of them, but so far we've only made the beer. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a good project. A little behind. Well, I mean, you do know that, that bourbon is America's only native spirit. So I think, I think you probably should at least, uh, Give him, give him that sort of uh, background in history, so he can he can experience his family roots. That's true, and you know that they um, there are a lot of boutique uh, distillers out here in Colorado that are kind of experimenting with different things. And I chuckled a few years back; it was probably three years ago. I walked into the uh, local liquor store, and back on the shelf was this bottle of stag sitting there and I don't, you know, I mean, I have no idea. They had no idea what they had, obviously. (laughs) So I grabbed it and walked up front to pay for it. And the, and the guy said, Oh, you should get you some strain of hands. And I looked at him and I thought, you have no idea. (laughs) I'll I'll pass on that. I appreciate the offer. Oh, you fool. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's point of sale Go Mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So I guess, uh, can you, do you have any uh, memories of, of maybe your, your mother um, or your, your, your grandparents kind of ever telling some stories of George T. Stagg or anything like that? You know, I don't because he actually died when he was fairly young. He died at the age of 59. So um, he died before, um, you know, my mother or any of her sisters were born. Now they remember... Um, his son, Frank Stagg, who ran the distillery till the 1940s, and they were, um, and they've told some stories about him, but, um. Well, how about some of those stories? Any, anything good that can come to the top of your mind that? Just, um, he was a really good, he was a close friend of, um, the painter Paul Sawyer, and I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a local Kentucky artist, um. And he was kind of the starving artist at the time. So uh, my great grandfather would uh, give him, like, buy his paintings, and you know, to give him pocket money. And, and they hung out a lot. So we actually have one of the largest collections of original Paul Sawyer paintings in the family just from him trying to uh, support Paul Sawyer. But, uh, you know, both. He and his dad, George T., were big fishermen. And I, they, they used to um, go to the coast and go down to Florida to go fishing. And I believe in some of the papers it showed that he had a yacht um, down, like, in the Gulf um, or in the uh, Florida Keys area. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And uh, I had some some of the old photographs of some of the fish he caught when he was deep sea fishing. Um, so I guess uh, with that, I mean, were you doing a lot of this research to, to find all this, whether it was on, you know, whatever kind of family tree website or is your mom kind of a, a big buff into it as well? Well, this was all, a lot of this was in my mother's papers. My mother passed away in 2006. So she wasn't really around for me to ask. Now my aunt, my mom's sister, who's 89 is still alive, but, um, and you know, we went through some of this and she actually, uh, you know, told me some of the stories about, um, my great grandfather's stag. Um, but most of what I got, uh, the research was in, the papers that my mother had, um, 
you know, just boxes and boxes of these old papers, which is kind of um, interesting. You know, one of them, there was a clipping of uh, the death, death notice of, of um, George T. Stagg when he died because they mentioned that he was one of the richest people in that section of the country, which I guess would be a whole lot of money back then because it was 18... 1880, mm-hmm. I think. And we're just wondering what happened to all the money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was funny. Even like before we were coming on here, I was, I was just like, you know, you know, I, I looked at Martha on LinkedIn. You know, she's like an investor and all this other kind of stuff. I was just like, but I don't want to go talking about because because you said that, you know within the PowerPoint it said like you know uh, this article it said you know he was a very you know he left a lot of riches to his family and I was just like. Well, I don't want to sit there and ask her if, like, she's old money or something. He laughed. So, but he had a second wife, um, and you know, I don't know if the money went there or um, when all the Paul Sawyer. Or, well, you know, the 1920s weren't too long after that, so you know they could have lost a lot in the the stock market, I guess. Um, mm. Oh yeah. So, you know, but what, there's nothing left for me. There was nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> you did you did everything you did on your own, right? That's right. All right. So I guess there's another picture that's that's in this PowerPoint. And for anybody that, that for any of our listeners, we're gonna put uh, if we can with permission, put some of these pictures online so you guys can you guys can see them on our website. Um, oh, sure. But we uh, there's one with a some like a, a lock of hair and a and looked like a, a folded sheet of paper. Can you explain that that's about? Well, that, this was really interesting. So th- it was, um, I found this, uh, there was like a tin box of some of his things. And uh, that's where the article about his death was. But this envelope said this envelope was found in the back of uh, one of his picture frames that sat on his desk. And it's a recipe for a sedative. So and and then it had a lock of hair folded up into it, which you know seems kind of unusual to me, but I have no idea. But I just thought it was kind of fascinating that he had this uh, concoction of a of a sedative um, in the in the back of his uh, picture frame. I mean, so. I guess back then it was all about experimentation. They didn't have the, the luxuries of, of modern medicine because you know I guess cocaine was okay back then, right? So. Might, yeah. might as well just throw some other things together and figure out what, what's going to stick. Yeah, and then I, you know, when when you read it, I I can't really even tell exactly what the formula is. It has some kind of salt and some Camp X and um something A phenol or I don't know what it is. But anyway, I thought it was pretty fascinating that he had that um he had that in there. And then so George T. Stagg actually died in Baltimore. Is that correct? Yes, he did, and I have still been trying to poke around and and find out why he was in Baltimore, um, and I, I have yet to find anything out about that. Um, any, any any ideas? Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering. You know, any, any kind of theories? He could have been fishing there um, because along that coastal area, uh, there some of the pictures appear to be more, uh, you know coastal along there. The other thing is um, his son went to school uh, back east somewhere, and, and I'm thinking that may have been in the Baltimore area. But he's actually buried in Richmond. So 
he he lived in Richmond. Uh, then he went to St. Louis. So he was born in, in Richmond. He moved to St. Louis and he was actually a liquor, he worked for a liquor distributor there. And that's how he found out about um, the distillery, which was uh, E.H. Taylor, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, then when Taylor put a bunch of money into the distillery and was having some trouble, um, he kind of swooped in and bought the, or, you know, helped him out. But they didn't get along too well after that. Um, <laughs> it kind of seems there's that, 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 <laughs> I mean, I think that happens with a, a lot of things in history, right? Between, um, uh, a few other different distilleries where, you know, they, they all kind of come together and then they all go separate paths. And then, I mean, not only that is, I mean, even E.H. Taylor came up with his own, own line of trouble where, um, he left the E.H. Taylor brand behind and went and opened up Old Taylor. Um, even though they're owned by the same thing or, you know, it's the same name. Um, you've got Basil Hayden and then you've actually got Old Granddad and, you know, the picture of Old Granddad is actually Basil Hayden on the label and stuff, right? So it, it's, it's always, it's kind of funny to kind of see how these things went down in history. Well, and, and then you'll really get a chuckle out of this because a big part of my career has been in real estate. And one time while I was home visiting during the big downturn, you know, I was poking around and, um, I don't even know how I ended up out the road where the old Taylor distillery is, but then I found out that my cousin uh, insured the the building for the people who owned it, and they were using the warehouse wood for scrap, like they were selling it overseas for construction, um, the bricks and the, the wood out of there. And uh, I actually looked into trying to buy it and went out and uh, spent an afternoon kind of poking around. I thought, well, wouldn't that be neat if I got into the bourbon business? But <laughs> um, it looked to be a rather large undertaking and not being from the business. I thought that probably wasn't a real smart idea. <laughs> yeah. And now, now they're getting ready to reopen it too. It's old yeah. Taylor's getting a, a revitalization. They're getting ready to have the first woman master distiller is actually going to take care of it. So it's going to be uh, uh, turning over a new leaf there. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at the, the sheet of paper in that PowerPoint you sent and it's, it's his, his notice. It says, you know, by Western union telegraph, um, you know, it basically talked about, you know, the father died this morning at, uh, one o'clock and was there any, um, indication of like what the cause of death was to, to George or anything like that? Or is it just kind of, um, no, just and never going to know about, well, I'm still trying to, I, I'm actually working with a, uh, researcher at ancestry.com to try to pull the death record for that. Um, I have a lot of that on, you know, various people in the family because I've done a lot of the research, but um, I don't have his, so I don't know why. But 59 seems pretty young. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's another thing. It, you know, it's really kind of cool how you're able to find all of these different documents. Or is this just something that, I mean, you kind of talked about earlier. Your mom just kind of was like, I don't want to say a hoarder, but she was she was holding a lot of these things. Or did you have to go and dig around through like the archives within Baltimore to find any of these things? No. Um, my family has been in Frankfurt for, I mean, they were some of the original people in Frankfurt. Um, so there, there was always kind of a keeper of the papers, I guess. So from each generation, somebody uh, kept all of the, 
photographs and documents and diaries and cookbooks and and that just passed to my mother because her two sisters were not as interested in it and my mother was very interested in genealogy and all the history and all of that so she kept it and organized it by um you know different branches of the family cuz we also have a a branch of the family that was a famous uh, fishing reel maker um that won three world's fairs so well, we have just, a lot of interesting people in the right. family. I was about to say, you guys just bleed greatness then. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, we're tinkerers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I guess, uh, uh, you know, kind of wrapping up here, I guess a, a good – how would you kind of summarize, um, if you could, like in a few sentences, you know, about uh, your great-great-grandfather's life? Um, you know, we, we know that he was a an avid fisherman, you know, really into the, the whiskey industry. Um, so any anything that you kind of want to kind of close with? Well, you know, just that, uh, you know, I think he was a, an adventurer and a bit of a pioneer and um, a pretty astute businessman all across the, the board. Um, I think his, you know, the bourbon that they've made in tribute to him is pretty darn good stuff. And I would say, you know, uh, please go bid at the auction and, um, <laughs> you know. Support a good cause, and you can write off your 11-year stash of stag. There you go. Hey, I'm all for that. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess one of the other things is, though, I mean, everybody's kind of getting to know George T. Stag a little bit more and more, and these bottles are getting harder and harder to find. So, you know, I guess the the good thing is with with you living in Colorado in the Denver area, hopefully it'll be a little bit easier to kind of get it because around here in Kentucky, it's slim pickings. It ain't happening. It, 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 it's interesting. So I had the distributor uh, when it when they first started making it. I I it wasn't sold in Colorado, and we worked with um, Mark Brown and um, Chris Comstock to get the some distribution out here so that I could have mine shipped out here because it's too hard to ship it. Uh, Oh yeah, illegally. There's some red tape involved. Uh, last yeah, I heard, a lot of red tape involved. So they started shipping it here, and you know, as it started to build a following, the uh, liquor store where I would pick mine up, they would get a larger allotment. And a couple years in a row, people lined up outside the liquor store, and they let them buy one bottle each. And last year um i knew that i knew that the stag was out i knew that because all my relatives at home had gotten theirs <laughs> and it and i still hadn't gotten my call about where mine was and um you know we had a little bit of a, a scuffle but i heard that <laughs> you know what what some of the distributors are um just taking a little bit longer to get it out um in different areas so anyway it was about a month it was about a month later than it usually was. And I was getting pretty stressed out. <laughs> You're getting antsy. Get any, but the, the liquor store actually didn't get any except the bottles that, um, that I had gotten. Oh, so there you go. It's nice. good to see. We were talking about earlier with the Pappy. It's good to know people, right? You're able to get those connections. 
Well, it's funny because my brother, uh, my bro- brother lives in North Carolina, and he drives home to Kentucky to get his. Um, and when he went to get his this past year, uh, he stopped by. There's a little wine and uh, bar right on Broadway there in Frankfurt, and they have pappies if you want to get a taste of pappies. But anyway, he went in there and. Um, traded him a bottle of stag for one of their bottles of, of Pappy. And then he actually, I think he called Julian Van Winkle and, and, um, cause he had a client who was really looking for a bottle. So, I mean, it's nice to have the stag name if you need to get, get, <laughs> yeah, I'll drop that name. We'll get you far. In this and name. So my brother's name is Frank Stag. So I tell you, Cecil doesn't work really well for me having that last name. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, they always ask me if it's uh, coolers or lanterns, what kind of business I'm in. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> being a Coleman. That's right. I get it. <laughs> I have a few Coleman lanterns. <laughs> well, uh, I would say I wish I could say you could thank somebody in my family, but I have zero connections to them. Oh. <laughs> so I guess uh, to kind of wrap it up, you know, you've got you've got this gaggle of stag out here. And have you have you tasted pretty much like everything within all these years? I mean, you, I know well, you, you said you used to do, uh, you know, bastardous things and mixing with eggnog. I, I sure hope you've learned your learned your way since then. But is, it, <laughs> is there anyone that you would say stands out above the rest? Oh, gosh. You know, um, the memory fades, you know, because you drink the 2005 and then it's gone. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it would be really nice, though, to have them all, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, well, like to all compare. Six, to compare. And that, you know, it is nice when, when they go to the, when I go to the Legends dinner and they at least give you two or three years in a row. Uh, to see the differences because they really do have um, s- subtle differences, but you know you can def- definitely oh, yeah. tell. But I, I can't off the top of my head tell you my favorite. Uh, it's all good. Did, so- didn't Harlan say like the fourteen was one of the best ones? That this recent one. Well, uh, I know well, for a fact it's it's one of my favorites from this past year. That's for sure. Yeah. And do you both have a bottle of that? I, I do not. Kenny has, I think, some. I do not. I have Stag Junior, but not a Stag. <laughs> I'm just a rookie. I see, I don't, I, I don't know if I have a twenty, an extra twenty fourteen. <laughs> I know I have an extra. I have one bottle of twenty thirteen in I'm my. I'm not greedy, <laughs> so I'll take whatever. <laughs> so next time I'm home, maybe I'll, maybe I can. Um, let you have my, a bottle of the 2013 that I've been hiding out in the basement of my aunt's house for somebody special who really appreciates it. Oh my there gosh, go. that would be incredible. There you go. I'll See? take you to dinner <laughs> on me, wherever okay. you want. So okay. he'll, he'll spray your lawn with chemicals too for free. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. exactly. <laughs> Well, so great. So I guess we're we're going to wrap it up here for, for anybody that has gone through this. We probably should have started at the beginning. If you've never heard of George T. Stagg, it's part of that Buffalo Trace Antique collection. Uh, it's an uncut, unfiltered bourbon. Um, it's always like usually like almost close to 140 proof every single year. So it's a, it's a fantastic bourbon that, that always comes out in the fall, and it's definitely something everyone wants to get their hands on. 
So again, Martha Carlin, we want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, understanding the history of your family and, and George T. Stagg and, and kind of the impression that he's left on the, the bourbon community as a whole. Well, thank you for having me. Well, good deal. So if anybody, if you like what you're hearing, you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bourbon Pursuit. And you can also like us on Facebook. Yeah, thanks again, Martha. That was uh, great hearing uh, all the stories and stuff. And uh, please call me as soon as you get here. Uh, back home to Frankfurt, I will gladly come take you to dinner and meet you to get my stag. No, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I appreciate you all listening. Any comments, feedback, suggestions, we're uh, just looking to improve the show. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.